Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. And guess what? You can do it all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash golf. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash golf. And we're back here on the First Cut Podcast. We are counting down the days to the U.S. Open. We still have the St. Jude Tournament in Memphis coming up. And to preview all of it, senior golf expert, writer, columnist, podcaster, video star, my sensei, Kyle Porter. How are you doing? I'm good. I need a I need a uh, entourage like a I need a I need a uh, a physio and a and a, co- a swing coach like to to offload some of these things. But no, I'm I'm enjoying it. We're we're about to enter the uh, the heart of the major season, the summer. Uh, we got some great venues coming up, and I'm uh, I don't know. I'm I'm fired up. I I've I've felt this uh, sort of a uh, a little bit of a valley after the Masters, you know, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, you, you get on this high of the Masters and then it's over and you're like, oh, what are, what are we looking forward to? So I, I, I'm hopeful that they, that can kind of be uh, reignited by the upcoming U.S. Open and, and British British Open PGA Championship. Yeah, the, the home, home stretch flies by. So that's why you got to hold on tight. And if you did need help, you know, hiring that physio, I've got some friends at ZipRecruiter by the way, that can probably yes. help you out with that. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, the current point where we're at right now in the, the U.S. Open process not only includes uh, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, and Dustin Johnson and others when they were at the Memorial getting their final tune-up, but there's also the qualifying process. Um, and uh, I've got a couple questions about this because this is one aspect of the U.S. Open and one aspect of golf that I, I find uh, to be pretty – Cool. I mean, it's unique and it's cool, but I also think it is underappreciated and maybe um, not totally understood by some average golf fans. So, like, what do you? Th- what is the basis for the U.S. Open qualifying process? Yeah. So the way it works, anybody can theoretically anybody can win the U.S. Open, right? right. Like that's that's the point of a national open is that you and I, if we are good enough, we can go win. Or now, Kevin Costner, if he really wants to get yeah. Rene Russo. Right. Just just the way we learned it. Now, in theory, that sounds great. But the reality is uh, to, to be able to do this, you have to have, I believe it's a 1.4 handicap uh, and you have to pay 150, 200 bucks to enter a, a local US Open qualifier. Now, you probably ha- you've probably had a couple around where you live. I've had a couple around where I live in Dallas. These are not it's not like going out against your buddies. Like the, the people that enter these local qualifiers are, uh, like either sometimes they're, they're tour pros. Uh, a lot of times they are, um, many, you know, on many tours or just out of college or what, like these, these, it's not a joke. Like people are not messing around. And, um, so you have to, you have to get through local qualifying, finish in the top six or four or whatever, whatever it is that your local qualifier and then get to, uh, sectional qualifying, which happens uh, for for most of the sectionals, it's on uh, the Monday of St. Jude week. So we've it, it was Monday of this week uh, for the U.S. Open. I think there's uh, I want to say like 60 spots available. Now this is even tougher because you get guys 
that are on the PGA Tour right now that get exemptions into these sectional qualifiers. They don't have to go through local qualifying. And so if if you and I were some able to somehow able to get our handicaps down to 1.4, enter somehow be the medalist at our local qualifier, now we're going up against Tony Finau and Steve Stricker and uh, Zach Blair at whatever a sectional qualifier we're at. We got to beat out those guys to make it into the U.S. Open. And I think, like I said, I think there's. 60 or 70 spots available via these qualifiers to get into uh, the tournament at Aaron Hills next week. The So there's the charm that comes with, uh, oh, anybody can get in here, which is probably different from the reality, which is like, like the reality comes when Tony Romo falls flat on his face in a local qualifier <laughs> or when like the sectional qualifying winners are uh, like you met, like Steve Stricker, I think has earned a spot, and this will be fun for, as a Wisconsin native. He has gotten a spot. Like didn't uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau just yeah. like get up another? Sp- I mean, these are like you said, PGA Tour players that you're trying to beat out for these spots. Yeah, and I, I think the the real reality is like even if Tony Romo makes it through the local qualifier, like that's a fun story or whatever. He's going to get pasted at the sectional <laughs> qualifier because I, you you just it's you're tr- you're trying to be out these you know uh, there, there's somebody Morgan Hoffman like missed the missed qualifying by like three or four strokes Morgan Hoffman's got like multiple top tens on the PGA Tour this year like you're not gonna beat these guys you know and and now some guys do sneak through and there's fun stories there's um, there's amateurs that make it to Aaron Hills and, and we'll talk about some of those, but for the most part, it's a, it's sort of a, uh, you give this nomenclature to this thing that is really kind of just like a PGA tour playoff to get into the U S open. Anybody else, uh, that has stood out to you so far, we've already mentioned, uh, Steve Stricker, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, anybody else jump out at you that's been able to get in through the, uh, the common man's, the lay person's, uh, entrance into, <laughs> into the U S yeah. open. Well, there's, it's crazy because there's some big names in some of these qualifiers that you're like, wow, that guy didn't qualify. Like one of the names that stuck out to me that uh, had to go qualify was Keegan Bradley. He got through. I think he was at the. Um, uh, I think he was maybe maybe at the Columbus qualifier, uh, which is uh, just after the Memorial. A lot of guys stick around for the Ohio uh, for the for the qualifiers in Ohio. Um, Beef got in in the England qualifier. Nice. Uh, Stuart Sink, Bryson DeChambeau, Harris English, a couple of Oklahoma State guys, Peter Uline, former U.S. Amateur winner. Jordan Niebergi, who who uh, almost won the the British Open a couple years ago as an amateur, uh, Scotty Scheffler, who I think is a uh, University of Texas guy, he's an amateur. Um, Stuart Hagestad, who was the low am at the Masters, um, he uh, he's the reigning uh, U.S. mid amateur winner. He got in at, at the California qualifier. Scott Harvey is an amateur who I believe has won the U.S. mid am in the past. He's played in the Masters, so. There's a lot of um, – they're not necessarily like works you know, works as a waiter at, at uh, Applebee's on Tuesday night like type, type qualifiers, but some guys who are amateurs and, and that don't actually play on the PGA Tour that, that got into the U.S. Open. There's a kid uh, that qualified in, actually in Dallas uh, that just graduated high school. He's going to A&M next year to, to play golf, and he won – or he finished second or third 
uh, at the uh, at the Dallas qualifier. So he'll be at he'll be at Aaron Hills. He'll be at the U.S. Open next week. Man, I could have sworn Keegan Bradley delivered my half price apps last night. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, all right. So the the next step of this now they now they've made it to the field. Now they start to prepare uh, for Aaron Hills, and now we you know they are joining a field where you're going to be trying to beat out Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, John Rahm, and others. Um, as we start to turn our attention towards the course, one that um, is uh, the is this the first. Like PGA Tour stop, I guess. Is this the first like sort of big tournament that Aaron Hill? I know it's a a mostly new course, reopened only in two thousand six. You know what are they going to be facing when they arrive? Uh, they had. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I know they had a U.S. Amateur there in two thousand eleven, and I think that uh, Kelly Craft won it. He's on the PGA Tour now. Uh, Kelly Craft beat Patrick Cantlay, also on the PGA Tour. Um, Harris English played in it. Russell Henley, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth reached the quarterfinals that year. So I think that's probably the uh, – I shouldn't say this, but I think that's the biggest tournament that they've had there is, is a U.S. Amateur. I mean, this is a course, Chip, that only opened in 2006. I mean, it's a, it's a very it's – a, it's a really interesting course to me because you look at it and it looks old. Because uh, it's in the middle of Wisconsin, it's set on this kind of rolling farmland that if you just looked at certain shots of it, you're like, oh, that, that could be Scotland. You know, it, it's sort of like a – it looks like a Scottish course with kind of an American twist. The greens and fairways are very green. They're very uh, well manicured and taken care of. Um, but the rough is – it's just kind of this this long grass that looks like – uh, it needs to be, you know, cut for the whenever farmers cut the grass. I, I don't know how that works, <laughs> but uh, it, it's so it's very like natural. The bunkers are all very natural. I, I think it's going to be uh, viscerally. I think it's going to be stunning, like for people watching on TV. Um, I think playing it might be a different story. You know, it can play up to seventy eight hundred yards. Uh, it's going to be just. Um, depending on how they make the greens, it's going to be brutal because it's going to be long, and a lot of the a lot of the greens are, uh, or at least some of the ones I've seen are kind of bowl like, where you've got these collection areas, uh, a, a little bit like Augusta, not as much like Pinehurst, but a little bit like Augusta uh, in terms of the way that. Uh, you're trying to get balls to stop on there. And, it, you know, Adam Scott said this recently. It's going to be all about how the USGA sets it up. They could trick it up, make it silly, and five over par could win the tournament. Or uh, you could make it reasonable and have three or four, six under, or whatever, uh, win the golf tournament. So hopefully they choose the latter because that's more interesting to me than, um, you know, guys just hitting great shots and making double bogey. I think that's kind of kind of silliness. But, I think it's going to be fascinating. A lot of people have compared it to Chambers Bay. Um, now, I think it's going to be a lot better manicured and, and the greens are going to be a lot better. But it is going to be a kind of a different type course than we usually see at a U.S. Open. And what for uh, fans, like you said, it's going to look stunning. Like, you know, HD cameras, well manicured golf course, super green, incredible, almost like misplaced terrain. You know, where... Where do you think on this course there's going to be like those those memorable spots? Like, are, is is there going to be something that that fans take away from it? Because unfortunately for Chambers Bay, I've got the cliff sides, which are beautiful, and I've got <laughs> like the burnout greens, which are obviously like one of the big complaints from a viewer's perspective. 
Well, I think two things that I, and I haven't studied it super in depth, but the one thing that has stood out to me is you've got, in some of these shots that I've seen, you have these kind of um, barn looking structures in the background. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Like when the sun is setting on some of these pictures, it just looks like um, you happened upon this, you know, this chicken farmer in Wisconsin and there's this world-class golf 18 course, hole golf just, course. That yeah. He, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's really crazy. So uh, I think that might be part of it, but also like the 18th hole. And, and a lot of times we remember the 18th hole cause memorable things happen there. The tournament comes down to it or whatever. Uh, the 18th hole is going to play almost 700 yards. I think it's like 660 or something like that. Uh, it's a par five. Um, it, it's, it's a really, um, I think interesting looking hole and uh, it's one of those greens that I, that I talked about where it's, it's, you know, you've got a collection area behind it. You've got a kind of a, a false front leading up to it. I, I don't know. I just think that there's going to be, I love par fives ending courses. And I think uh, we could have, uh, uh, you know, some theatrics, some drama at the very end. So the, will Dustin Johnson get any advantage from the fact that he, uh, he was hitting 413 yard drives, but could not, uh, could not even make the weekend at the Memorial, uh, extra prep time, but also where's your head at with DJ right now as the defending champion comes in as the world number one and the odds on favorite right now, uh, to win. Um, I, the, the miscut at Memorial is kind of concerning just because he, he was, uh, I looked at his strokes gain putty and it was minus seven. That's not good. Nope. Not good. <laughs> uh, not good. But because of the way he's played so far this year, um, I'm going to chalk it up to being kind of a one-off. Uh, I think that, is he in the field at, uh, at St. June? He is not. Okay. He usually plays that, but he's um, a defending champion there. Is he the defending champ there? No, he's not the defending champ, but I think he's won it. It's one of his okay, victories. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think the miscut at, at Memorial is mildly concerning, but I, I just think, and I wrote about this today, is is DJ over the, over the course of 72 holes at a demanding place like a U.S. Open, especially at a long one like this one, uh, he just he just rises to the top as long as he's not a complete disaster on the greens, which obviously, as we saw at the memorial, he has uh, he has a propensity to be. Um, I, I just I don't know. I, I just think he's going to be there. Do you think he's going to be in the mix? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably going to pick him to win. I haven't made my official pick yet, but I mean, look at the last two U.S. Opens, you know, misses uh, three putts at Chambers Bay could have could have made a playoff there. Uh, and then wins by uh, three or I still don't know how many strokes he won by at Oakmont because I don't know what his actual total was um, because of the the penalty. <laughs> but uh, he's just been he's been really good at U.S. Opens recently, and I, I think he will be again this year. The uh, the another player. Um, do you think do you think that we will get Rory McIlroy? A will Rory McIlroy make the weekend, and that includes will Rory McIlroy play? Now we've seen video of uh, Rory taking swings. We've heard Rory say that he's excited for the U.S. Open. Is 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 he going to make it through to the weekend at Aaron Hills? You know, I, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, I. 
I, I obviously uh, like Rory and and love to see him succeed just because he's so fun to to write about and to talk about. And he's just I think I think Alan Shipnick put it this way, and I, I thought it was really smart. There's just kind of an electricity around him that's that's super fun to, as a golf writer, as a golf media person. Um, but the the reality is that he's not he's not played that great at U.S. Opens. I mean, if you look back, he's played in three. He's played in eight of them. So his finish is T10, cut, win, cut, T41, T23, T9, cut. So three missed cuts, three top tens, and including a win, and then a couple other just kind of whatevers. So he's been sort of up and down. I mean, he missed the cut at, at Oakmont last year. But the thing that gives me pause is because this is such a – a long course, like he's going to have such an advantage if he's hitting his driver well. And that's one thing that he's done really well, I feel like, so far this year. Um, but then again, he's not played that much. I don't think he's been able to practice a ton just because he's been trying to rest and rehab his injury. So I, I'm going to say he, he I'm, I'm going to say it, it ends a little bit like uh, the Players' Championship where he makes the weekend and then sort of. Um, just doesn't doesn't really ever make that kind of Rory move like we've seen in the past. Finishes T thirty one or T twenty eight or something like that. Is it weird that it feels like his two thousand eleven win at Congressional is like two golfers ago? <laughs> right. I mean, because well, I think- because it was a record setting win and it was like incredible and he just mashed people. But there's no there's no part of me that takes that win. And I mean, and I only say that having just heard you read off his other finishes and thinking like, wow, the the win there is the anomaly. And it's not only anomaly compared to his other finishes, but it was an anomaly compared to U.S. Open champions. Yeah, it, and it does feel like a long time ago. I think his win at, at Kiowa at the PGA in, in 2012 feels like forever ago also. Yeah. Um, the weird part about the, those two wins is that from 2000, so the beginning of 2011 uh, to the end of 2013, so that's uh, 12 majors. Uh, so the beginning of 2011 was the meltdown at the Masters. So those 12 majors, he only had three top tens. But two of them were wins. I mean, that's kind of the the Bubba special, right? Yeah. And then obviously 2014, he finishes top 10 three times and, and wins two of them. So, I mean, obviously he's a generationally great player, but he, he's not been as consistent maybe – uh, in in especially in the kind of that middle portion of his career as as maybe you would expect at at major championships anyway from from somebody like him yeah and also uh you know we we say this about a golfer who still managed to uh to win the FedEx Cup you know just <laughs> yeah that's the thing like somebody the, somebody the other day was like let's let's deal with Rory I was like Rory won uh, two tournaments like six months ago like I, I what do you want. <laughs> Oh man, that's you know what I thought. I wish we'd been doing this podcast uh, for that FedEx because when when he won the FedEx Cup, I was like, boy, there's a golfer that sure is in need of an extra cool ten mil. I'll tell you that, <laughs> like ten mil has probably for other tour championship and uh, FedEx Cup winners has changed their life. Yeah, Rory's I mean, like Bill, oh, Billy yeah. Horschel is one of those guys, you know. I think with Rory, it's it's super interesting because I, I think I tweeted the stat out. I can't remember the exact stat, and I wish I could. I think it's just uh, him and uh, Tiger and 
Nicholas maybe, maybe Hogan also that have four majors on their um, 20, how old is he now? 29, 28th birthday. He is 28. So four, four majors on their 28th birthday. I think it's Rory Tiger, Jack Nicholas and Ben Hogan. I, I, I think those are the four. I can't remember exactly. That's stunning. And, and I think that we, we forget about his age. We forget about all the, th- I mean, four majors is so many. It is so many majors. And um, I don't know. I think the next five or 10 years of his career uh, are going to be super fascinating just from a, um, you know, how many majors does he win? How much does he play? You know, how many, how many other tournaments does he win? And, and I think that, I think the FedEx Cup last year was a reminder of like, yeah, this dude is, he's, he's all time good uh, yeah. and can be, and, uh, you know, could win four more majors. Who knows? Ooh, be awesome. Well, Rory McIlroy or any PGA tour golfer will tell you that the key to winning is having the right team around you and finding great talent for your business. Isn't any different. That's why at ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Think about it. That saves you so much time. You don't have to juggle emails or calls to your office. You simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place thanks to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. If I was able to hit 80% of my greens in regulation, I could probably save up to 10 strokes off my score. But you can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash golf. That's right. Businesses of all sizes nationwide. This can help you. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash golf. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash golf. Now this weekend in Memphis, uh, we do have the St. Jude. Just six of the world's top 25 are in action. Ricky Fowler, Adam Scott, Brooks Kepka, Francesco Malinari, uh, <laughs> Charles Swartzel, Charles and, uh, and Phil Mickelson, who is the, the host of this event, and the player who we are all eyeing, thanks to, uh, thanks to Kyle's declaration in our last episode that he thinks Phil is still going to play at this U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, the Rory stat, I looked it up. Uh, Rory turned 28 on May 4th. The list of golfers with more majors than him on their 28th birthday, uh, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Bobby Jones. That's it. Sam Snead, Phil Mickelson, and Arnold Palmer all had zero on their 28th birthday. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, St. Jude is pretty pretty decent field, I, I feel like, for um, – you know, for being the week before a major championship, it's, I think it's kind of funny that Phil's playing in the St. Jude and not the U S open. Right. Uh, allegedly, allegedly. Even though I still, I still think he's going to play, but you know, one guy we didn't talk about last week or, or in our last episode about the way he played last week was, was Fowler. Um, man, he's just, uh, you know, I, I know he is not one since the Honda, but I, I just have, so much confidence in him right now, just in terms of the way he's hitting it. He's the only guy. I looked up the stat on Monday. He's the only guy on the PGA Tour who's top ten in strokes game, putting and driving. And he's just been—I I don't know—like his swing is just so good right now, and it's so unique too. I really love watching him swing the golf club. Um, I, I think that he—he's uh, my pick to win this week. I don't know if I, I probably shouldn't be throwing that out there already, but uh, he's played well at Memphis in the past, and uh, I, I just. I, I don't know. He, he's just, for me, he's, he's so consistent. He's so steady. And, and uh, 
I think he's going to have a good U.S. Open as well. Yeah, the uh, so let's see, uh, sixth in strokes gained putting. I was just, I was glad you mentioned that because I was like, I feel like I've seen him just rolling in some some pretty, even if they're just like need to have them par putts. Just seems like he's been locked in on the greens. Yeah, and if you watch uh, uh, the the broadcast, CBS does a really good job of showing these shots from like behind, like behind the putter, you know, that shot, like where you can read what it says on their putter. Right. Um, and, and, and Fowler's has a, has a cool, uh, so it's, it's a Scotty Cameron. So it says Cameron, but everything is, is jumping off and the R is in orange. Yeah. And I guess that's for Ricky. It, it's kind of cool looking, but his stroke and his, uh, just kind of his move on the ball with his putter is, is awesome. Like it's so smooth. It's so pure. And, um, I don't know that that was the thing I think that plugged him last year. I can't remember where he ended up in strokes gained putting, but uh, he clearly is his uh, has fixed whatever was was going on there and, and is playing really well right now is uh, Fowler here. Your pick to win um, Adam Scott also in the field is Adam Scott. Is it possible that he is quietly playing really good golf here in the last month? Uh, I, I don't even know what his, uh, let's look that up. Cause I feel like he, he hasn't been, um, I feel like he hasn't been playing that great, but, uh, let's see here. Where did he finish at the, uh, at the players championship? Do we know? I'm sorry. I'm finished, on, I'm on Adam Scott, the actor he finished T six. <laughs> uh, yeah, that happens every time. Yeah. You know, he has been T nine at the masters T six at the players, you know, Adam Scott, th- there was, uh, I got some, some feedback on my, uh, my column on Monday about, you know, how bad putters win, uh, great tournaments. And, and one of the, uh, one of the sort of detractors of this idea is a guy named Andy Johnson who runs the fried egg. He's a really smart guy, a lot smarter than I am about golf. And his whole thing is everybody hits it well on the PGA tour. And if you look at the guys that you think should have won more, like should have more wins in their career, uh, it's cause they're, it's cause their short games are, are just not as good as they should be. And, mm. and there, there's a, there's a whole big argument there that we kind of have back and forth. And I think we're arguing kind of different things. Um, but to his point, Adam Scott's a guy who should win more, you know, he's got, uh, he's got probably, I think he has 12 wins or 11 wins, but he's only got one major. And it, a lot of it is cause he's, his short game is just in, in the weeks that he should, he hits it well enough to win his short game just kind of lets him down. And so I think he's one of the poster boys for that. Uh, I don't know where he's at in terms of strokes gain putting or anything like that this year, but, uh, he has uh, clearly been playing pretty well over the last month or so. A couple top tens at some big boy tournaments like the players and the masters 34th this season in stroke gains, putt in uh, strokes gain putting. 50. See, that's that's good for him. Like, that's real good. 54th uh, off the tee. Yeah. That's not very that's good. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah, Adam, yeah, he, he's not been quietly playing well. He's just humming, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, Fowler last year was, uh, let's see, he was 64th in strokes gained putting, and this year he is 6th. Ricky Fowler over under wins the rest of the season 1.5. Uh, I'll go under. I think he wins one more, but not, not two. two. Yeah, that's mm. a that's a good number though. That's the right number if you're if you're Vegas. I think I think that Fowler 
will have a I think he wins one more time and I think that he is the one of the most fun players to root for when the playoffs start I could see him being because he's what he's top 10 in the world probably up there in uh, FedEx Cup points as well yeah yeah he's gonna be uh, he, he's gonna be super interesting and and I think that I mean he's somebody who he's always a fan favorite um, and it, you know that's one of the he obviously hasn't won a major, but I, I think that I think by the end of his career, he's going to uh, either win a FedEx Cup or be super close to to doing so and, and also have a major championship in that time. Ooh, do you think he'll have more than one major championship by the end of his career? I, I think the number there, again, is 1.5. I, I think that um, there, and we go back to this a lot, but there's going to be a lot of guys in this era who you're like, wow, that guy only won one major. Yeah. Justin Rose only won one major. Adam Scott only won one major. Ricky Fowler, if he gets one, he only won one major. Um, so I, I think that two wouldn't shock me any more than two would be pretty surprising. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, who's your top 10 lock for this week? Uh, my top 10 lock is Phil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just for the story of it, uh, he's played well uh, in Memphis. He's got, uh, let's see here, two top two uh, since 2013, two T2s, a T3, and a T11. So pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good in Memphis. But like we talked about, like he's only had two top tens on the season, which is bizarre because he hasn't missed a cut. Um, so I, I think that uh, I think he finally comes around, and I think that. Just the the karma of saying that you're gonna skip the U.S. Open is is gonna uh, is gonna propel him to a top ten finish and all of the questions about whether he should reconsider on the weekend. All right, so Smiley Kaufman sleeper status? Uh, no, Smiley's not my sleeper. I think I'm gonna go with uh, with Ian Poulter. Ooh, just continuing the story. Yeah, what's his uh, his number is fifty, so it's not a it's not a it's not a huge number, but if you're um, looking for the eighty to ones or hundred to ones in this tournament, it's gonna get tough. Yeah, he's had he's had a good couple couple months. Um, he was T six here back in t- 2014. Hasn't played it since then, um, but he f- obviously finished second at the Players a couple weeks ago, and uh, I don't know. I can see this being a big week for him. Give me Kyle Stanley with a big week. Kyle Stanley's been playing great, man. He putted so well at the Memorial last week. He was like top 10 in strokes gained putting, which usually for him means an, an automatic win. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in on what Kyle Stanley's doing. Right Is now. Stanley going to be in the field for the U S open? I don't know if he's in or not. I don't think he is, uh, but I'm not sure. The uh, that would, that would be another I've, I've, cause we've, maybe we should, we need to build in uh we need to build in some deep fantasy talk for next. We'll do that for our uh, our big U.S. Open preview shows next week. We'll, we'll yeah. do. Let's do that. We'll do. Uh, we'll review the St. Jude. We'll give out our grades, and then we'll we'll get into some fantasy aspect on the uh, on the early show next week. I like that. That'd be good. Tight. Uh, he is Kyle Porter. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, always fun. Thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll link up to review the St. Jude, and it will be U.S. Open week. It will. I'm fired up about it. Can't wait. All right. Talk soon. See ya.